Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pesavento. And each week we share mindset tips and real estate investing strategies to help you take your portfolio and your business to the next level. And today I'm very honored and excited to dive in. We have Tom Wheelwright in the studio. How are you doing today, Tom? Good. Great to be with you, Stephen. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tom is uh, one of Rich Dad's advisors. He is a uh, best-selling author of Tax-Free Wealth. He's a CPA. He's a CEO of WealthAbility. And his whole mission is really to help uh, entrepreneurs and investors be able to pay less in taxes, help be able to understand this tax code and, and to be able to align their interests with the government to do exactly what the government's incentivized them to do. We're going to talk about that today and uh, more. Um, so uh, you ready to get into things, Tom? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start off uh, by looking back at earlier in your life. What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Well, so I am the youngest of six children. So I grew up with five siblings telling me what to do. And so I don't like people telling me what to do. And uh, what uh, my, as you mentioned, my mission in life is to give people a choice on uh, how they participate with the government and the tax system. Um, because again, you know, I, I just picked the most difficult subject of all taxes that how do we get people a choice, right? How do we give them enough education so they can choose um, whether to be an active partner with the government or be a passive partner with the government? Most people choose to be a passive partner in part because they don't know, uh, but in part because they want to be an employee, they want to go on their way and they're happy to pay the tax. And the government's very fine with that. There are a few people like you um, and me that would like to have a different choice. We'd like to be able to participate with the government, do what they want us to do um, in such a way that uh, they're going to incentivize us to um, put our money and our efforts where they would like us to put our money and our efforts to take those risks that they would like us to take in those parts of the economy they'd like us to go, like energy, like real estate, like agriculture, like business, um, so that we can actively participate with the government in getting the government, basically doing what the government wants us to do, in return, getting that uh, compensation in the form of reduced taxes. Yeah. So it's such a simple concept when you think about it like that. So many people are very oppositional to the idea of taxes, very oppositional to this concept of paying taxes, and they really uh, have a lot of emotions attached to it. But when it really comes to paying taxes and the tax code, what's the mindset here? How should the listeners be thinking about making taxes work in their favor? You know, the tax law, the first thing to remember is that you only need a couple of pages to raise money, raise revenue for the government. 
you know, there's one line that says all income's taxable unless we say it isn't. There's another line that says nothing's deductible unless we say it is. There's some charts and tables tell us what our tax rates are. But the tax law is over 6,000 pages, just the law itself, not counting regulations, rules, court cases, et cetera. So the rest of the law is really the government using tax incentives. The government recognized really back in the 50s, but really uh, President Kennedy was the first to really embrace this idea that uh, people don't like paying taxes. And if we give them a little mm -hmm. bit of a tax incentive, guess what? They might do what we want them to do. They started with the investment tax credit, which was a, a percentage of the equipment, the new equipment that you purchased um, for manufacturing primarily. Um, and this came about during President Kennedy's years. He said, look, will that incentivize people to, will it stimulate investment in manufacturing? And lo and behold, it did. And so the, since then, the governments all over the world have taken to this notion of, well, let's, you know, we want to manipulate the economy, but the, rather than us taking it on, which would be what the Soviet Union would do, right, which would be like what a socialist country would do, rather than take it on, let's get the capitalists to put their money where we want them to do, and we'll just give them incentive to do that, like low-income housing. Uh, simplest example is to think about, um, renters versus homeowners. Okay, there's long in the US been an encouragement to homeownership. Well, what's that encouragement? It's a tax deduction for your interest on your mortgage. That's your big incentive to be in a homeowner from the government. If you're a renter, you don't get that tax benefit. So this is, you can say, well, it's a, a, a penalty to the renters. It's not really, it's just an incentive to the homeowners. Um, you wanna send your, Kid to college, great. We'll give you a tax credit for sending you kid, uh, your your kid to college. So you know we all participate in these incentives. You know this this idea that you know only the rich participate in the incentives. It's just you know a bunch of malarkey. Everybody participates in the incentives, and nobody would turn down that incentive. Nobody turns it down. I don't think anybody turned down that fourteen hundred dollar check. Okay, from the government last mm -hmm. year, nobody turned the two thousand dollar check. Nobody turned down the additional unemployment. Okay, this wasn't turned down. When there's an incentive from the government, people take the incentive. So all we have to do is recognize that that's what it is. This isn't, you know, there's there's this ideology that says, well, it's my obligation to pay taxes. No, it's your obligation to follow the tax law, right? And if the tax law says if I invest in, for example, solar panels for my house, I get a, um, for every $100 I put in, the government gives me back $26. You think homeowners don't, are gonna turn that down? Well, no, that's an encouragement to get solar panels on your house. And the government's very happy for you to do that. They're, they're not saying you're a bad person for putting solar panels on your house, no, just the opposite. And I think that's the primary mindset we've gotta get away from is, the government's out to get me, okay? Now, the IRS probably is, but the government is not, okay? The government's not out to get you. The government is out to do what they consider to be their job with whoever's in power at the time. And it's our job to follow the law and to make the choice, do we want to pay the max amount of tax? That's one choice. Or do we want to do those, uh, make those investments, whether it's real estate, whether it's business, whether it's agriculture, energy, that reduce our taxes and at the same time make money. That's our choice. And, and what, you know, what I appreciate you doing, Stephen, 
is let's get the education so that people without education have no choice. So people that are educated, now they have a choice. And you know, you may choose still to pay high taxes. That then becomes your choice. If you don't know that, you, that, that this is actually how the tax law works, you never have a choice. Yeah, and, and it's really about getting that choice back as a, as a taxpayer, as an earner, as an investor, as an entrepreneur, and really starting to understand, well, what is this treasure map that the government has laid out to incentivize the different actions that they want us to take within the economy, to go and do the things that they don't want to do, but they know need to be done within a society. And uh, if we don't know that it's actually a map that leads us to tax savings or having the ability to make more money and keep more of it, um, then we look at it as this bad thing. And I know a lot of people, especially stuck in the middle-class mindset, that's the way I grew up and that's the way I thought, uh, are really look at the taxes as being this terrible, awful thing. And uh, we don't wanna pay any more than we, we should have to. And why would we turn away an incentive? So it makes sense for us to get educated, to be able to get up to speed, to understand how we can use this for our benefit to do the things that the government wants to do. So let's talk a little bit about what are the four ways to produce income, to produce cash flow, and you know, how are each of those impacted differently by taxes? Because I think this is going to be very eye-opening for some folks. Some of you guys are going to be very up to speed on this, um, and we're going to get into some advanced stuff in a second. But I think this will really help uh, outline why it's so important to be investing, why it's so important to move your way through these different options. Right. So Robert Kiyosaki is best known for his book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but his second book is equally important. It's called Cash Flow Quadrant. And in there, what Robert explains is that there's four primary ways that we make money. We can either make it as an employee, we can then we can get <laughs> more education or uh, decide to buy our job and we can be self-employed uh, or a superstar, whatever. Uh, we can make money as a big business owner, having 500 employees or more. We could make our uh, money as a professional investor, an inside investor. Uh, the interesting thing is, and I've traveled the world with Robert talking about this, is that how you earn your money has a major impact on how much tax you pay. Typically, uh, somebody who earns a good living, uh, both in the U.S., by the way, and around the world, as an employee is going to pay about 40% in tax. If you uh, then... <laughs> graduate. Um, and I say graduate with a smile because, you know, an entrepreneur, um, we're the only people in the world who will uh, work um, twice as long to earn half as much just so that we can have the choice of doing so. Um, and what's more is we pay a higher tax rate because the small business tends to pay 50 to 60% because they're, they're paying both the employer side and the employee side. Then you can, uh, if you go to the big business, then you go to Warren Buffett's world where he goes, I have a lower tax rate than my assistant. Well, that would be true. He probably pays his assistant hundreds of thousands of dollars is my guess. And she, she or, she's probably, or he's probably making three, $400,000 and paying 40% tax. Okay. Whereas Warren Buffett's paying 20%. Why? Because big businesses pay 20% tax uh, on an average basis. Then if you get to the professional investor side, which includes real estate, energy, um, agriculture, um, those types of things, now you can actually get to zero. And that's just because those are the activities that the government wants most. Um, they want you to put your money there, uh, whether it's developing housing uh, for uh, people or whether it's developing housing for a business. Okay, that would be commercial. 
um, or whether it is uh, developing fossil fuel energy, which has been in vogue for the last 50 years, or it's developing renewable energy, which is uh, becoming and currently in vogue, or whether it's uh, uh, raising uh, cattle or um, planting crops. Okay, those are the things where the professional investor, they end up with a, a very low tax rate. I mean, very farmers and ranchers, <laughs> they pay very little tax. I mean, they just do. Okay, that's the way the tax law works, uh, because that's such a an important part of the economy and the important part of feeding the people. The government wants them to do that. And so in return, they pay very low tax. And so understanding this, as many of our listeners are sitting in that E in the employee seat, or potentially even sitting in the self-employed or professional seat where there are doctors, lawyers, attorneys, they're earning a lot of money, but they're also paying a lot in taxes. What are some of the things that they can do to start transitioning out of paying high taxes and start benefiting from some of the incentives that are out there? Well, really, there's two primary um, things they have to. First of all, there's if you want to have what uh, rich people have, you have to behave like rich people. Right. So if you want to have low tax rates like a big business, you have to behave like a big business. So, for example, you can't be a sole proprietor. Sole proprietors pay the highest tax. Um, but a big business would never be a sole proprietor. I mean, that would by definition, they're never going to be a sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. OK, um, you're going to you're going to set up your um, your company uh, as an entity, either a limited liability company, a limited partnership or a corporation. Right. You're going to behave differently. The the curious thing is people who pay 60% in the S could pay 20% in the, even though they're still an S. Okay. Because we have what we call the constitution of the United States equal protection, which means that two people doing the same thing, get the same result. Okay. From a, from a government standpoint, that's true in tax as well. So the, the tax law is inherently fair from the standpoint, two people doing the same thing, get the same result now. So that's one thing you can do. I mean, easily you can bring your tax rate down from 60% to 20%, just like just by behaving like that B quadrant business does. Second of all, you could then become a professional investor. It's not that hard. Okay, it doesn't take a lot of time. Um, uh, technically, under the tax law, it takes 15 hours a week. Okay, to become a professional investor. That's all. So you could do that as a part-time job and become a professional investor. So you do have to get the education. That's the key, right? To be a professional investor. You do have to focus. You do have to know exactly what you're doing, else you're going to get hammered in, uh, in the investing because amateurs get hammered and, and uh, professionals get rich. That's the way investing works. But what also happens is that, interestingly enough, the amateur investors don't get the same tax benefits as the professional investors. So what the, what the um, Congress has said is that, look, if you're a professional investor, we're going to give you one tax, tax rate. If you're an amateur investor, we're going to give you a different tax rate. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And it's good to understand that. So for everyone who's in those positions, work with your CPA or find somebody who can actually help you move from that 60 to the 20. You want somebody who's going to be an advisor, someone like Tom or someone from his network or, or others that can help you understand how to move from the S to the B if you are a business owner or sole proprietor. Um, with that said, what are some of the advantages of uh, investing when it comes to taxes? 
Oh my heavens! Well, <laughs> you pay no tax. Um, so, so let's. Uh, you can kind of go through different asset classes, right? Here, you think of the four asset classes. You've got business, real estate, paper, and commodities. The the asset class. What's the asset class that doesn't look like the others from a tax standpoint? It's paper, and that's because you never get. It, it, unless you're putting your money into a deferral mechanism like an IRA, 401k, or pension plan, you don't get a deduction for investing in paper assets, okay? There's no deduction to invest in paper assets unless you're in a retirement plan, okay? And then that's just a deferral to a later year. That's just postponing. It's like um, you don't like vegetables as a kid. You eat your broccoli last. Um, yeah, the world may end and you may not have to eat your broccoli, but it's going to be cold most likely and it's not going to be very tasty. And that's what happens with, uh, re, you know, retirement money. So that's, that's the only place you can't get an immediate deduction. Right now, we operate in the U.S. under what I would consider to be a consumption tax. In other words, uh, any money that you earn that you consume, and by the way, saving it is the same thing as consuming it because you're not putting it into the economy. Okay, so you are consuming it, you're hoarding it. Uh, basically saving and hoarding, same thing, okay? You're hoarding cash, okay? If, if you hoard or if you consume, you're gonna pay tax. If you reinvest, you're not gonna pay tax. So you can, for uh, any business owner knows this, if you spend money in your business, you get a deduction, right? So uh, this last uh, year and a half, two years, uh, we've, you know, this pandemic thing, you've got all these people working from home. Well, if you're an employee working from home, you don't get a home office deduction. But if you're a business owner working from home, you do. Okay, so what's the difference? Well, the difference is the government prefers um, people who run their own business to people who are employed by somebody else. There are tax advantages to being self-employed. So that's a good example of you can just change your facts. We always say, if you want to change your tax, you need to change your facts. So what you, the fact you're going to change is instead of being an employee, you're going to be an employer. That fact, if you're willing to make that change, now things like your home office, things like your uh your car, things like your the meals when you go out to eat, all even your travel can be deductible. Now, it's not always going to be. You still have to make the choice to actually make it a business expense. There are qualifications for that. But as long as you do that, you have the choice and you're able to deduct it. So, you know, the, the key here is, is that if you take your money and you reinvest it in the economy, uh, particularly in those ways that the government prefers, such as business, <clears throat> they love business, um, or real estate, they love real estate, energy, they love energy, or agriculture. Those are really the key places where you reinvest your money that way, you're going to get a major tax benefit. Now, there are other places that you can get tax benefits, um, life insurance, huge tax benefits and life insurance. Retirement plans are, of course, the average man's, uh, average person's best tax benefit. Right. And so you really ought to if, if you're not going to get anything else, you're not going to go into the B quadrant, the I quadrant. You probably should max out your 401k plan. Right. Because at least you get a tax deduction for that. At least you get to postpone the, the, the tax on that income and you get to set aside a nest egg. So that's a kind of the bare minimum for people who want no other education. But for the people who are willing to get educated, like the people watching, listening here, Stephen, on your show, then what happens is now all of a sudden there's a different choice. 
Okay, we can actually become a real estate investor where the big tax benefit is depreciation, or we can become a, an investor in energy where the big tax benefit is um, in, in fossil fuels is intangible drilling costs, in, um, in uh, solar is depreciation, frankly, depreciation tax credits. Uh, you can invest in agriculture where the big benefit is you get to basically deduct everything um, that you spend. So there's, it doesn't matter which, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're outside the paper asset class, it doesn't matter which asset class you're in. Um, you can literally, as long as you're putting the money back into the economy, um, then mm -hmm. the government's going to give you a tax benefit. Yeah. And, and that, that is a real big thing for people to recognize and remember. And so when we're, a lot of our listeners are passively investing in real estate or they're looking to start moving down that path. We know there's a lot of benefits if you're actively investing, if you become a professional investor. And, you know, we obviously talked a little bit about that. What is it going to take for you to be able to get to that position? But what are some of the things that people need to be doing and why is real estate such a powerful tool? What, what is it that the government uh, is providing and giving that is making real estate so strong? Um, and, you know, how can investors who are passively investing start taking advantage of that? So the, the single uh, reason that real estate is so powerful is a four letter, letter word called debt. Okay, debt is what makes real estate powerful from a tax standpoint, as well as from uh, an investment standpoint. Without debt, real estate is really not appreciably better than um, any other investments, not better than the stock market, it's not mm. better than um, any, any other investment you're gonna do. Um, it is a hard asset, so you have a little more control over it. Um, but even then, you don't have control over what the government does from rent controls, uh, eviction bans. Um, <laughs> you, you don't have control over those things. Um, so real estate, what really makes set, sets real estate apart is the ease with which you can borrow to buy real estate. And so let me give you an example. So let's say that you have um, $100,000 to invest. Okay, you saved up a long time, you got $100,000 to invest, or you and your buddies get together, and you get $100,000. Okay, now, if you take that $100,000 and you invest it, let's say you buy a single family home, uh, you rent it out, um, and uh, you're going to get a deduction the first year called depreciation, called bonus depreciation, somewhere between $20,000 and $25,000. But you have a choice here. You could, instead of investing $100,000, you could take that $100,000, borrow $400,000 from the bank, and buy a $500,000 duplex, for example, okay? Mm -hmm. And that duplex now, uh, the bank doesn't get any of the tax benefits. So what you do is you take that twenty dollars to $25,000 of your tax deduction, and you multiply it by five, right? So in, in, mm -hmm. you get your... 20% that you put down and they're 80% that they put down and you get all the tax benefit. So instead of a $20,000 deduction, you get a $100,000 deduction. Instead of a $25,000 deduction, you get a $125,000 deduction. So debt magnifies, you know, debt. the reason we use debt is because it magnifies the returns, right? If we can get 5% on our money and we're only paying 4%, that 1% differential we're getting that money. The bank's not getting it. So we're taking the risk. So we're getting the money. The same thing is true with, with taxes, tax benefits. We leverage 
like just we're leveraging our investment dollars, we're leveraging our tax dollars or our tax benefits um, because the government's going to give us, the investor, all of the tax benefits and not give any to the bank. Yeah, so debt magnifies the returns, but it also magnifies the tax benefits. And the government is giving us this depreciation uh, and they're, they're granting that to us because they want us to go and buy real estate. They want us to go and buy apartment buildings. They want us to go invest in, in improving properties so that we have places for people to live or uh, go out to eat or do commercial or uh, you know whatever that might be. And so we as investors, we get to take advantage of that. And as a passive investor, how are some of those benefits leveraged um, and how can they use some of those, those tax benefits? Obviously, they're receiving the cash flow off of that project or other projects tax-free, but what well, else let, uh, let, comes let's, along Let's go to that. that. Let's, let's go back to that example. Let's say that you've tax got, a, you put in $100,000. Let's say you put in $100,000 and you got a $100,000 deduction. Okay, where'd that $100,000 come from that you put in? Well, you probably earned it. And you probably would have had to pay tax on that $100,000. But because you've got a $100,000 deduction, now you don't have to pay tax. So instead of paying, say, uh, $30,000 or $40,000 on that $100,000 that you earned, you don't have to pay any tax on that $100,000 that you earned. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to offset the money we earn with the money we with, with the deductions from the investment. Um, now, let's, um, if we can, let's just get into one little area that I think is a big misunderstanding among real estate investors. And that misunderstanding, I think, is propagated primarily by their CPAs, okay? And that is that if you are a passive investor, you cannot take the deduction. That is mm. false. That is false. That is a false statement. What, it, what the rule is, this is where a little education goes a long ways. If you are a passive investor, you can only offset your deductions from that passive investment against passive income. Well, you go, well, I don't have any passive income. Okay, well, why not? So let's create passive income. So what, what most real estate investors are obsessed with is becoming this real estate professional. Okay, it's like this whole Nirvana, you know, even even now has an acronym. They call it reps, which I'm going reps. That's what I do when I work out. Right. These are reps. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like I, I, I don't like that that acronym because, it, yeah, it's great if that's what you want to do. But what if you don't want to do that? OK, I'm never going to be a, a real estate professional ever. Um, I, I don't do enough of it. I love my business. My wife loves her business. She's not a real estate person. We're not going to be a real estate professional. Does that mean I don't get the losses from my real estate investments? Of course not. You know, <laughs> if, if that were the case, I, I, should, I should not be on this podcast. Okay, so mm -hmm. here's what we have to do. We have to think the other side of this. So there's two sides of, of that coin. One side is the, the loss is passive, which means that it can only offset passive income. So I could change the nature of the loss to an active loss by being a real estate professional. That is true, that's one choice. Now, I think a much easier choice is, why don't I take my active income and make it passive? Why don't I just take my active income, make it passive? It, it's way easier. It takes way less time. 
than 15 hours a week, every single week for the rest of your life. That's what it takes to be a real estate professional, 15 hours a week and more time in real estate than all your other jobs combined. That's what it takes to be a real estate professional. To, be, to, to take your business income and make it passive takes about six months with a good CPA and attorney. That's it. It doesn't take that long. And, and, and you're done. You, you don't have to do anything else. So to me, which is the smarter choice? Well, it's great if you want to be, if, if real estate is your life, okay? And I get that. A lot of people, they love it. I've got good friends. I've got many clients that they love real estate. That is their life, okay? I have, a, I have just as many friends where real estate, they don't want real estate to be their life. They, they, you know, they're interested in real estate. They like real estate passively. They want to maybe invest in a syndication. Maybe want to invest with a buddy. Um, maybe they want to own a, even a couple of uh, single family homes or duplexes, something like that. But they don't want it to consume their life. Well, okay, with them, with them, what we do is now we just say, well, let's convert your active income from your business to passive income. And now we can offset. All right. So that, that's just a big misunderstanding that people have. Um, and I just want to clear that up. And I appreciate you giving me a few minutes to clear that up because I think it's one of the biggest misunderstandings in the real estate area from tax standpoint. I'm so glad that you did because I think a lot of people get caught up on that. They feel like they or their wife needs to be or, or their husband needs to become a uh, real estate professional in order to take advantage of these benefits. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is it that someone needs to do to convert their current active income in their business to passive. I know this will work for some folks and, and it'll at least give them a little bit of a clue about what are some of the steps they need to do and who they need to go and find in order to help do that. Well, look, it works for anybody who owns a business. Okay, mm -hmm. if you don't own a business and you're, you're just an employee, okay, then your spouse needs to be a real estate professional in order to get those tax benefits. That's, that's the answer, okay? This is why the E-quadrant is so limiting. Okay, if you're in, if you're earning the money in the E quadrant, you're very limited on what you can do. And the only way out is to be a real estate professional. Now, the good news is if, if you're earning all of the income as an E and your spouse is not otherwise working, then they can be a real estate professional. That's fine. That works. Okay, I have a number of clients who do that. If you are running a business, though, your spouse can go do whatever they want. Because all you have to do is change the ownership of your business. So, for example, you may be active in your business, but your kids may not be. Your parents may not be. You may, uh, you know, have other people that are not. And if they owned a portion of the business and they owned and they owned a portion of the real estate, then it's the, the, pat, the losses from the real estate offset the income from the business. So it's just matching that up. It's, it's not very difficult to do. Um, I will tell you also that there are a lot of business owners that um, maybe the first year they're active in their business, and then they actually um, find a way for their business to be passive. Um, you have to be active in the business for three years in order for that to be like permanently, and in some cases, five years, in order for that to be permanently um, an active trader business. You could be passive. Uh, even, a, even a lawyer, uh, let's say somebody owns a law firm and the first two years they get it set up, they get their people there and then they turn it over to a manager and then just they go off on their, their merry way. Guess what? 
that income to them is passive. So there's actually seven different rules on passive activity. What makes something passive versus active? All you have to do is, is, is understand those rules. You need to learn those rules. See, what, what we're seeing here, Stephen, is there's a pattern um, to the tax law. And once you understand the pattern, what we've done successfully at my company, WealthAbility, is we've actually, we've actually um, understood, we understand the pattern and we've developed a system that takes advantage of that pattern. So it's not that our CPAs, our network of 60 plus CPA firms around the, the, the uh, US and Canada are that much smarter than other CPAs. I mean, I, I just, mm-hmm. they're not, okay? What it is, is that they have a better system. And um, most CPAs have no system for reducing taxes. So WealthAbility has created a proprietary system. So you follow it step-by-step-by-step. And accountants, by the way, CPAs are really good at following the process. They're really good at following the rules. So if you give them the rules, Mm -hmm. they'll follow those rules and they can walk you through that. And so that's why it's key. Um, That's why our our network has become so successful among CPAs is they don't want to have to learn all this on their own. They want a system and they want to apply that system to their clients and, and we're able to give that to them. Yeah, a franchisable model or a process or a system is really, really powerful. And it's, it's exactly the reason why so many people look to partnering with experts, look to partnering and investing passively because they want to be able to simply put the money to work and be able to go back doing the things that they care most about. So this has been really great. Really appreciate you walking through some of this stuff at a very high level and shifting the mindset and beliefs around taxes and what people can really be doing and how they can be leveraging some of this. So we, we started out and we continue to stay at a, at a high level. Uh, we'll have to have you back to dive into some really advanced strategies uh, for some of our advanced investors. It. But I really, I really appreciate you being here. Um, would love to know, how can people get in touch or if they want to follow up and learn more about what you do? Very simple, wealthability.com. So it's your ability to create your wealth. Uh, it's wealthability.com. And just click on the schedule a call. There's no charge for that call. And uh, we'll help you any way we can, literally any way we can. By the way, if, you're, if you have a CPA and you go, I love my CPA, they just don't understand this stuff, have your CPA go to wealthability.com, schedule a call. Because we'd love to, we'd love to train your CPA. Um, if, if, you, if you don't think your CPA can handle it, great, come to us. We'll help you. you know, we'll get you to one of our CPAs. If, uh, if you think your CPA could learn it and wants to learn it, great, send them to us. We'll happy to train them. You, you don't have to leave their, your CPA and you can get our system that way. Wonderful. Well, this has been really great, Tom. Thanks for joining us today. And for all the listeners out there who, uh, you know, have you've taken something away, I want to ask you the question I always ask you, what did you learn today and how can you go and apply it right now? What action can you take based on listening and learning? Um, and go out and do it because that's the only way that you're going to make a big change in your taxes and investing. And that's the way that uh, change really happens. So thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, thank you for joining for another incredible episode of the Investor Mindset. It's such a joy to be able to share these beliefs, these thoughts, these ways of living with each and every one of you guys, because I just know the power that it can make. And for some of you, For the select few of those people who are truly committed to going after their goals, the people who really believe that there's another level from where they're operating right now, the people who are ready to make 
change happen rapidly. And even if you're somebody who is stuck, who knows what you need to do, you know exactly the strategy, but for some reason you're not doing it, for those people, there's another option. There's another level that you can reach. And, and what I've noticed after coaching tons and tons of people through this process is that there's a simple formula. And when you can start to understand how to unlock those pieces within yourself, you'll start to feel more vibrant. You'll start to feel more energized. You'll start to make more money and you'll start to enjoy the process through and through. So if you're somebody who's in a position and you're ready to make change happen, you're ready to invest in yourself, you really believe that the best investment, the truest ROI is investing in yourself because it continues to give back over and over again. Then I invite you to schedule a call, share a little bit about yourself and uh, see how we might be able to help serve you with the Investor Mindset Coaching. You can head right over to InvestorMindset.com slash discovery, set up a call and there's an opportunity to serve, I'll be right there with you. Thanks, and I look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.